Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review... After one great outing and one very not great outing, our beloved return home to Soldier Field and hope to pick up the pieces and steal a game from perennial AFC power, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do the Bears have it in them to rebound? And what is the aftermath if they don't? Jeff Hartman from Behind the Steel Curtain joins us on the Week 3 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Three has always been a lucky number for me. Will it be a lucky number for our beloved this Sunday when they return home to Soldier Field to take on the 2-0 Pittsburgh Steelers? What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the Week 3 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and we'll have Jeff Hartman from SB Nation's Behind the Steel Curtain to help preview that game here in just a moment. Spoke to Jeff last night on Wednesday. It was uh, what I've uh, I put it out in the tweets and on the Facebooks. It was uh, short but sweet, about 16 minutes, so about a half as long as I usually have most of my guests on, but Jeff was getting ready to uh, uh, do his own podcast uh, about half an hour after we got done talking, so he, was, he only had so much time uh, to talk last night, but I feel like we packed a lot into that 16 minutes and uh, accomplished everything that we wanted to, just no, uh, you know, no room for, for leeway on, on either side, so... Uh, but we had a good talk. We'll have him on in a few minutes. Got a lot of uh, extra stuff to talk about uh, today because, you know, of course, the, the injury report is always news uh, for our Bears and uh, a lot of Trubisky talk. Uh, a lot of Trubisky talk being thrown my way this week because the comments that I made on Monday, um, you know, kind of went viral in the uh, Bears community. Anyway, took some heat on Twitter for my thoughts and I stand by them, to be honest with you. Um, but we'll talk about that and uh, everything else in between. So let's go ahead and uh, and dive right in. I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and kick things off here with a comment that was tweeted to me uh, by John L. Collins, who has been with us, um, or at least uh, he's made me aware of himself about a month or two, maybe. And yet this guy contacts me more than my mother does because he is constantly tweeting at me and sending me stuff on Facebook and things like that. So you should all take note. John L. Collins, this is the guy you all want to model yourselves after. Get on Larry D's radar so you can be on the show. Uh, Sent me a comment made by our beloved offensive coordinator who who is two for two on Bear Downs so far this season. Uh, Dole Loggins uh, saying that uh, Mike Glennon has been smart with his decision making. <laughs> uh, and it was slap your knee Monday in Hallis Hall, apparently. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know where the hell he gets that. I mean, if he's praising him for the, the decision to throw into triple coverage and get picked off, um, you know, on, on the intended pass to Deion Sims when. Adam Shaheen was wide open in the flats or the uh, the fact that he noticed that um, Josh Bellamy did not win the route uh, that led to the pick six where the DB cut in front of Bellamy and basically went in unmolested for a touchdown that made it 23 or 26 to nothing uh, in the first half and um, all the other glorious decisions that he made in, in Tampa Bay. He was pretty much flawless. In, in Atlanta for the most part, but uh, Tampa Bay is a completely different story. And in this, what have you done for me lately league? He did very little for us last Sunday, and he certainly did not display 
smart decision making. So, uh, as um, which kind of leads me right into the whole Trubisky thing. So, you guys heard my rant on the show on Monday about basically anybody out there that's thumping your chest for Trubisky to be out there kind of need to get over yourselves because it's not going to happen. At least I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. You know, I said the earliest that I would expect is maybe week five against the Vikings when we had a nine or 10 day break um, to get them ready. Um, and that's and that's assuming that I think if we're 0-4 after that Packer game, uh, we're really going to need a win and a shot in the arm and so on and so forth going into the second quarter of the season and throwing Trubisky out there might be the best way to go about that. Uh, otherwise, I think the soonest that he he's under center, um, barring injury, of course, is week 10 against Green Bay. We have a we have a bye week, you know, so we got two whole weeks to get him prepared and ready uh, for his first start. It's a home game against the against the Packers. It's it's a, a, a good situation, in my opinion. So that's that's the soonest. But um, taking heat because of, you know, basically taking all my everything that I said turning it against me. I mean, it's, it's not hard to do. Um, you know, it, it, the thing is, I, I, was, I was taking heat and, and people were misunderstanding what I was saying. And this is a stance that I've had literally since minutes after we drafted Trubisky. And it's this. It's not that he's not ready. Because if we're looking at the, at the preseason, he is. He's ready. And he is also the best quarterback on our roster. My stance is the same as it was on April 30th or whatever the first night of the draft was. We're not ready. The team, the Bears, is not. I never said Trubisky wasn't ready. I said the Bears are not ready. That's why I didn't want us to draft him in the first place. The team is still rebuilding. You know, the, the, the Bears are a team that you put your team together, then you go get your quarterback. That was the idea of behind getting Jay Cutler. You know, we had pretty much put together a decent foundation of a football team. You add a quarterback to that, and boom, you're off to the races. I mean, Jay Cutler joined a team that just missed the playoffs in 2008. You know, so basically this was a playoff team in need of a quarterback. So we went out and we made the move to get Jay Cutler. The Bears are nowhere near where we were in 2009 when we made, the, when we made what was the trade that was supposed to be the missing piece for Jay Cutler. You know, we're not in that spot right now. It's, it's, you know, and honestly, we may never be. But as far as like you're just looking at it, perfect world, the Bears aren't ready yet. The Bears aren't ready. You know, we might have to force the issue at some point in this season as early as week five. Um, but it's, um, you know, I just don't see it happening. You know, especially John Fox is more stubborn than me. You know, because people can't get me to bend on this Trubisky now thing that's, you know, that you see all the Bear fans uh, tweeting. Hashtag Trubisky now. I'll hashtag Trubisky later. It's not time yet. You know, not, and it's got nothing to do with Trubisky. It's got everything to do with everything else. And that's what I've been saying since the moment we drafted him. I'll play you the clip if you want to hear it. Moments after we drafted Trubisky, I said, There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs> Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. We, we shouldn't be drafting him. The team's not ready. I said that back in April, before he took a snap, before I saw him play in the preseason, before any of it. You know, if I had it my way, I could go back to draft day. I wouldn't draft Trubisky. 
I take Jamal Adams, build up the defense a little bit more, take another offseason to put some pieces together on the offensive side, then maybe draft a quarterback in 2018 or what have you, you know, but that's, that's the way that I would have done it, but didn't work out that way. And here we are arguing over this quarterback because our current QB that was supposed to, uh, you know, handle his business while the rookie was uh, grooming himself is stinking up the joint. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's getting a harder and harder argument to make. And also, um, it doesn't help that uh, a uh, Chicago hero in Chris Bryant, the starting third baseman, all-star, and a reigning a National League MVP, Chris Bryant, of the Chicago Cubs, is telling the Bears to give Trubisky a chance. It's like, dude, Chris, you're killing me here, man. It's like, I, I can't have this. You know, you need to keep your opinion to yourself. And uh, Big Ben Roslisberger is uh, also a fan of Trubisky. I'm sure he'd like the Bears to throw Trubisky out there and see what happens. And uh, Corey Wooten, who is the answer to the trivia question, who sacked Brett Favre on the final play of his NFL career? He, uh, it was Corey Wooten. Sacked Brett Favre, knocked him unconscious when he bounced his head off the frozen Minnesota University turf uh, in, I don't know, like week 13 or whatever it was in uh, 2010, the last playoff season that the Bears put together. Uh, last time they won the division and so on and so forth. So, But uh, Corey Wooten is also banging the drum for Trubisky to get uh, thrown out there. And there are others, but those are just the ones that I could remember when I was putting these notes together. So, you know. I'd love to see him play. I would. It's just not time. It's not time yet. We still got some work to do. You know, we need the the running game as a shell of its former. So it would be all on him, you know, and that's th- that's the thing. More than anything else, we at the very least want to put him in the best position to succeed, the best position to succeed. And this is not it. This is not it. OK, I don't want him to be our savior. Okay, I don't want him to be the savior and and just we want to put him in the best position to succeed. Jordan Howard's banged up. The offensive line is banged up. The whole thing about not having people to throw to. He does have people to throw to, but he's also got an offensive coordinator who couldn't call plays to get him. You know, I don't know. It's uh, frustrating. I mean, I'm sure the playbook would look a little bit different with, with Trubisky out there some rollouts and things like that and and what have you because you know Glennon's probably not athletic enough to do stuff like that but I just I'm I'm I don't think it's time yet I just don't think it's time so you know I I would like for it to be soon but not yet not yet get a healthy offensive line get Jordan Howard off and running again then it becomes a harder argument for me to make you know because the running game opens things up in the pass and you know the offensive line can keep them clean and Jordan Howard and and Tariq Cohen start doing their duty again and getting after it and Jordan Howard looks like the the guy that almost ran down Zeke Elliott for the rushing record last year then yeah it becomes an easier situation for me to be like yeah that that works you know looks like we're it's a much better situation that he might be able to succeed in the, obviously, the wide receiving situation is not ideal, nor will it probably ever be this season. But um, transitioning into our next phase, we're getting Marcus Wheaton back this week, um, or so it would appear, barring some disastrous setback, which um, if you're going based on Marcus Wheaton's very short tenure in a bear uniform, it's entirely possible because uh, he had the appendectomy, um, you know, the appendicitis had to have his Penix removed. Uh, then his first day back in practice after the surgery, he breaks a pinky finger that requires surgery. Missed the entire preseason and the first two games of the season. However, he is officially off of the injury report as of Thursday. So he was full participation on Wednesday. And then there's a dash under Thursday, which means he is not on the injury report anymore. Um, other full participation members, Prince Amukamura. Looks like he will make his regular season Chicago Bear debut. So let's uh, stall, start taking bets on how many plays he'll uh, he'll actually make it through. Because uh, you know I should have taken the under on the dress rehearsal game because uh, <laughs> he only made it through like two plays before he tore up his ankle to miss the first two games of the season. 
Uh, Deion Bush was uh, hampered with a hamstring injury, but was full go on Wednesday. Off the injury report today. Benny Cunningham with the uh, high ankle sprain that kept him out last week against the Buccaneers was full participation today. Akeem Hicks, Jordan Howard, and Mark Sa- Mark Sanchez. How did Mark Mark Sanchez had a neck injury? How did did he did he did he sleep too hard on the bus window on the way back from Tampa? How did the hell did he hurt himself? Had a neck injury, no participation on Wednesday. Oh, full participation today. I was reading that wrong. Okay, so he's fully healed from that neck injury that kept him out of practice on Wednesday. So thank God for that. And uh, Josh Sitton has not practiced yet. Still nursing that rib injury. No participation yesterday or today. And then, like I said, Marcus Wheaton, full go on Wednesday. Off the injury report on Thursday. And then Kendall Wright limited with the shoulder injury. So that's where I was interrupted. Kendall Wright... Um, Kendall Wright, Jordan Howard, Akeem Hicks, Tom Compton with his hip injury, all limited in practice on Thursday. Uh, Kyle Long was full participation, so that's good. Um, I was just talking to my dad before uh, recording the show about what does the offensive line look like if Kyle Long comes back, and then my question was that all depends on whether or not Josh Sitton is playing on Sunday because if Josh Sitton is playing – then the odd man out is Ronis Grasso because Cody Whitehair goes back to center, Kyle Long on the left, Josh sitting on the right. However, with if the way it's looking now, he hasn't practiced on Wednesday or Thursday, then um, you know it's Josh sitting on the bench with Cody Whitehair at right guard, Ronis Grasso at center, and uh, Kyle Long at left guard making his debut against the Steelers, or so one would think. Anyway, you know maybe they'll put. Kyle Long on the on the right because Cody's a better left guard. Who knows? We'll find out uh, on Sunday. But if if Sitton is out, then we're looking at Grassu at center and Cody Whitehair at guard with uh, Kyle Long playing the other spot. If Sitton is in, then Grassu's the guy that's out and um, Cody Whitehair in the middle with uh, Sitton and Long on on either side. And then uh, one other name on the injury list is Nick Kwiatkowski. They have, the Bears haven't made the final decision on him yet, so I'm wondering what the uh, what the holdup is. Maybe I need to reach out to Jeff Dickerson again because uh, he's the one that filled me in on Jarrell Freeman last week. But um, you know they haven't made a decision. I mean, it's been all doom and gloom as far as what they think the prognosis might be, as far as it being uh, you know uh, torn pectoral muscle like Freeman and him you know missing the rest of the year because it's going to require surgery like Freeman's will. But uh, the Bears have not made final judgment on that just yet. So uh, as of now, Kwiatkowski is, is taking up a spot on the injury report and has yet to practice this week with that pectoral muscle. So um, that, the good news, that's the bad news. The good news is Kyle Long, um, Prince of Mukamura, Marcus Wheaton all look like they're headed for the starting lineup on Sunday. So we're actually getting a lot closer to the team we thought we were going to have on the field before training camp got started. So, I mean, we're looking a little bit more at, at full strength here. And, you know, if Amukamura comes in and he's starting, then, you know, Kyle Fuller, who hasn't played bad uh, in relief duty, starting in his spot, you know, gives us some quality depth behind Cooper and Amukamura. So it's it's not a bad situation there. We have it, uh, we have it DB, and hopefully we can get after the passer better this week than we did last week against uh, the Buccaneers. So... And then finally, uh, no, two more things. But uh, finally, as far as um, roster moves are concerned, um, the um, emergence or the health of Marcus Wheaton, for one reason or another, made Tanner Gentry expendable again. The Bears waived him on Tuesday, I think. I think it was Tuesday. They did waive him on Tuesday. They elevated... um, uh, the safety, Houston Carson. I always forget his first name. I feel bad about that. Uh, Houston Carson, um, the safety, was a, we drafted him last season. Um, special teams player and so on. Um, it looks like the Bears did that because it looked like the Eagles were trying to sign Houston Carson to their roster because the Bears actually lost a practice squad player in, in the offensive lineman, Dugo Joseph, 
was signed to the Ravens uh, 53-man roster, opening that, opening up a couple of spots on the uh, practice squad. Well, thankfully, one of them now belongs to Tanner Gentry because Tanner Gentry because he cleared waivers again. So he is back on the practice squad. Uh, so we haven't lost him, even though the Bears keep tempting fate about it. And, uh, you know, he's this year's Daniel Braverman. You know, he was the the training camp darling that did great things in practice and had an awesome hookup with Trubisky in the dress rehearsal game against the Titans. Uh, played eight downs, uh, I believe, that's because I've seen that tweeted several times this week, that um, <laughs> we can't make a decision or we can't evaluate Mike Glennon in two games, but we've got uh, we've got the goods on Tanner Gentry after eight plays on Sunday against Tampa Bay. So uh, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> it's, um, but nonetheless, uh, we were able to uh, breathe again when Tanner Gentry was re-signed to the practice squad yesterday. So we're good to go. We're keeping him to hopefully bring him back up at some point and uh, you know see if he can re uh, re re up on that uh, magic that he was performing there in the preseason so i think that's gonna do it so we'll uh go ahead and step aside and bring on our guest mr jeff hartman from behind the steel curtain on sb nation to help us preview this week three matchup bears and the steelers can they pull it off Week number three of the 2017 season has our beloved Chicago Bears returning home to Soldier Field where they had a decent performance against the Atlanta Falcons. This time taking on the defending AFC North champion Pittsburgh Steelers and here to help us preview that game, Jeff Hartman from Behind the Steel Curtain. Jeff, welcome back. Oh, glad to be back. So let's touch briefly on the preseason because I saw you guys were 3-1 and one, um, this year. What exactly did you see in the preseason that you liked? What needed improvement? I mean, did you guys miss Le'Veon Bell that much in the preseason? Or, you know, was it all right that he held out until week one? Well, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, in my opinion, wasn't going to be playing much of the preseason, if at all, anyways. He probably would have been on the Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown um, guide to the preseason, which is they only played two, I think, two series in the third game, and that was it. So I don't think they missed Le'Veon Bell. In, in my opinion, what the uh, preseason proved, and this was one of the better preseasons under Tomlin. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I don't know if he's ever finished three and one. If he has, it's only been a couple times in his 10-plus years as a coach. Um, they just have good depth. I mean, they've been drafting well. They do a really good job of picking up undrafted rookie free agents and, and even free agents maybe from the scrap heap from other teams that they are able to come in and, and, and contribute, and uh, they had some tough cuts, and not in terms of starters, but um, <clears throat> excuse me, ultimately, uh, they have good depth on the team, and that was proven in, in that 3-1 and one record. Uh, they didn't play their starters a lot. There's really no need to, and um, that's kind of about the biggest takeaway that I had from the preseason. So week one, an interesting game against Cleveland, a 21-18 to win, and, and actually the, the, the offense only scored twice because your third touchdown came from a block punt. I was just looking at the stats before we got started here. Le'Veon Bell only rushing for 32 yards in that game. Was that just ring rust from him, or were the Browns really keying in on, on Bell and stopping the run? I'd say it was both, and I'd even throw in a third factor, and that is penalties. Um, ah. The Steelers, I believe, had over maybe 144 yards of penalties in that game. Wow. A lot of them were pre-snap fouls. And so when you get into you know, first and 20s, second and 15s, they're not really good running downs. And so uh, Bell, he did have some ring rust, and the Browns did sell out. Greg Williams was a good coordinator. He had that defense really hyped up for that game. They played a very good football game. Um, you, know, you had all all those, it was kind of like the perfect storm. You know, you have the bad penalties. You've got Le'Veon Bell who missed the whole preseason, uh, trying to get acclimated to the NFL again, trying to get acclimated to the offensive line. Um, and then, you know, you throw in a defense and filling out to stop the run, and it's exactly what you got. So it was a little bit of a little bit of everything. Um, wasn't the prettiest win at all. It was actually right. very ugly, but it was a win. And so I think Steelers fans, although they're kind of disgusted with the performance of the team, ultimately I think they're all happy that they still won that game. 
Right, and I see the defense had seven sacks in that game, so you had to be pretty jazzed about that, right? Absolutely, and Deshaun Kaiser was a big reason for those sacks. He held onto the football really uh, a couple times. It was a, a really long time. But the, at the same time, you know, the, the Steelers' pass rush, pass rush is much improved. They're really getting after the quarterback, uh, and they're doing it without blitzing a ton. That's the biggest key that um, you've found in the first two weeks is that uh, Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator, has not had to send these all-out blitzes. It's not that they don't blitz. It's that they're not having to blitz all the time. And so that's a, that's a good sign for this defense. And then a more impressive win, week number two against the Vikings. You know, the offense isn't quite lighting up the scoreboard like it did last year, but the defense really seems to be improved. Only 18 points last week to Cleveland. This past week, only nine to the Vikings, who are all over the, the Saints. I mean, not that that's saying much. The Saints' defense is terrible. But, you know, nine points from the uh, from the Vikings and, uh, you know, an, a, a more convincing win from for the Steelers this time around in their home opener. Yes, I mean, some people still weren't happy. Fan base wasn't real happy. The offense, like you said, is, has not really rounded in the form yet. Uh, I think it's still a work in progress. I think they'll get there if they can all stay healthy uh, defensively. Yeah, everyone wants to say, oh, we know Sam Bradford didn't play. It was Case Keenum. Well, the first thing I noticed about Case Keenum is he's a lot more mobile than Sam Bradford is. And Bradford is not a guy that's going to get out of the pocket too much and use his legs to make a play. And Case Keenum, Pittsburgh was only credited with two sacks in that game. It could have been upwards of seven, and I'm not exaggerating. If you watch the, the film, um, they were all over him. He made some really decent throws. He maneuvered his way around the pocket. Um, and just kind of sometimes just to get the ball away, just to throw it away. Uh, and so I have a feeling that if they would have played Sam Bradford, maybe they score a few more points, but I don't think they beat that defense, at least not on that day, because uh, they were flying around. They were really happy, you could tell, to be back at Heinz Field. They honored Dan Rooney, who passed away this offseason. Right. Um, it was a very emotional day for them. So uh, I don't know too many teams that they probably would have lost to in that circumstance. Right, and I see that uh, that Le'Veon Bill, 87 yards this time around. So obviously he got he had a much better day uh, running the football. And also, um, I see the penalties were still an issue. Ten penalties, not as many yards this time around, but yeah. 13 the week before, 10 this week. Um, that uh, could definitely key into why uh, the the scores are staying in the 20s as opposed to the 30s and 40s that you guys had last year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they they lead the NFL right now after two weeks in both penalty yards and the total number of penalties. And those are penalties that are accepted too. So that doesn't count. You know, a, you know, on a third down, if there's a holding call and they they're going to decline the penalty because they're going to punt no matter what. Right. Uh, you know, that doesn't count. So they've been flagged a lot. Um, Mike Tomlin talked about this uh, almost ad nauseum during his post his press conference on Tuesday. But at the same time. Um, I kind of agree with what he said. You know, it did get better. Um, they're still working their way back. It, it almost seems, and I hate saying this, it almost seems like the, the coaching staff are treating at least the first two weeks like extensions of the preseason. Um, they're getting into their groove. They're figuring out what's going to work and what's not going to work. Most teams have already done that. The Steelers, because they don't play their starters until the games account, but they're doing it now. So uh, hopefully that improvement trend continues. And it starts with week three in Chicago. <laughs> well, you're catching us at the right time um, because after that performance against Tampa Bay uh, last week, we are ripe for the picking. Um, it was uh, an embarrassment. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're either going to get a team that is hell-bent on, uh, you know, reversing the trend or a team that's still, you know, pouting, and, uh, pouting over itself in the way it played. Uh, last week so I mean it, it's either or I mean before after the game in Atlanta week one I've been saying this for weeks like I had a funny feeling about that Steelers game it's just something that seems like the Bears kind of have Pittsburgh's another aside from 05 it's been a long time since the Steelers have beaten the Bears especially in Chicago when you were defending champions in 09 your last trip to Chicago the Bears won that game and you know we beat you in 2013 and you know so the the Bears have always kind of come out on the winning end against the Steelers but you know, after the way we played against Tampa Bay, I, I can't help but think that uh, you guys are going to kill us on Sunday. Um, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, it just doesn't seem like Pittsburgh's a team. That, you know, Mike Tomlin, everyone talks about his letdown games, and just rightfully so. Um, he is every year that he's been the head coach, at least in the last four or five years, he has lost a game 
on the road to a team where he has been favored by more than a touchdown. His Pittsburgh Steelers team has been favored by more than a touchdown. Right huh. now, at the opening line was about eight. I wouldn't be shocked if that number actually went up. I've seen a couple eight and a half, nine. It's a big number for a road team. Um, yeah. So, will the Steelers cover? That's a different discussion. But I don't think that the the Steelers are a team right now uh, that, that's going to come out and just blow the doors off of anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, they could. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. Right. But at the same time, I look at it and think that the Chicago Bears, it's only week three. They did play well in week one, and they were at home. Um, I think they're a prideful team. It's a prideful organization. Uh, and they do play Pittsburgh well. Um, so I, I don't think um, I don't think it's going to be a blow. I, I do think that Pittsburgh will eventually win the game, uh, maybe get this uh, pseudo monkey off the back. But um, it's going to be a lot closer than people think, in my opinion. Well, I hope you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I, too, am optimistic that we will play more like we did against Atlanta than we did against Tampa Bay. It's just that was a hell of a regression from how how well we performed, almost won the game against the Falcons to basically not getting off the bus in Tampa Bay. And we lost a couple more guys due to injury, so we're even more shorthanded than we were, um, you know, the week before. So it, it's um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a glass half empty kind of guy right now with the way that the team is, <laughs> is playing. So I, I have optimism that will show up and, and give you guys a game, but uh, – uh, you know, if I had to be honest with myself, I I I believe like you do that uh, it, maybe it'll be close, and I hope that it is. So at least I'll be in entrenched for sixty minutes. But uh, I, I ultimately think that we're looking at zero and three for the third year in a row. And that would be tough. Um, you know, I, I was actually at the Steelers Bears game in uh, two thousand and thirteen in mm. Heinz Field. I think it was week two. Yeah, um, that was the dreaded zero and four start for the Steelers that year. They went to London and got beat by the hapless Minnesota Vikings. It was bad. Yeah. Um, but that game, I remember. I mean, the Bears fans and they came out in throngs and they were down by the field when Jay Cutler was still with the team. And um, it, it's definitely been—I don't want to say a fall from grace, but I mean, it's been a complete turnaround for the organization. It seems from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. Um, normally, a team that seems to draft well always being comp- to be competitive. But like you said. 0-3 starts the last three seasons. That's that's rough. It's rough to overcome an 0-3 start. You've got to play some pretty flawless football if you want to claw your way back, especially in a competitive division like the NFC North with Detroit 2-0 and Green Bay and Minnesota. Minnesota's defense, by the way, very good. Uh, saw firsthand last Sunday. Um, they are a tough, tough defense. They, they can definitely do a lot of things, and the pass rush is very good. Well, you're definitely right about the um, the fall from grace, and, and you know it's been difficult to uh to sit and and watch that uh the last uh, few years um you know just when you know you think they they might get a handle on it and then you know kind of comes apart at the seams uh the way it did you know and, and you're right about the flawless football thing because we basically played a flawless game against atlanta you know we made one mistake and that was that austin hooper touchdown because we didn't make any turnovers you know, Glennon didn't get sacked a bunch of times or anything like that. It was that one fluke play to Austin Hooper that basically was the difference in the game. And then last week, we were anything but flawless against Tampa Bay. Four turnovers in the first half, and we just got trucked in that one. So you're right. Being perfect is how the Bears will win. So, I mean, if we can keep the Steelers, you know, in the red with penalties and maybe force a turnover or two, we might have a chance to come out on top in this thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, the NFL is so crazy anymore. It is, yeah. it, it, people always want to just they want to just go ahead and when the schedule comes out, write WLWL, whatever the case may be, throughout their schedule. But you honestly never know. I mean, there's upsets every week. There's always games where you're looking at the outcome thing and how in the heck did that happen? Yeah. And it could happen this Sunday at, at Soldier Field. Like you said, I think the, the Steelers have only won the, in, in Chicago one time. Dating all the way back to the 50s, it's it's incredible. Um, I remember that 2009 game, yeah. I believe. Um, San Antonio Holmes had a key drop in that game or something of that nature. It was mm. a very odd game, but um, I'm glad to play in Chicago, uh, for the Steelers to play in Chicago early yeah. uh, in the season and not later in the season where the wind, so whatever, all that garbage you all have there in terms of weather starts <laughs> to happen. Um, so, uh, ultimately though, I think the Steelers, the one thing, and I was on another uh, podcast yesterday, um, the one thing I do like about Pittsburgh, that kind of has me trending towards them winning this game 
from a mental standpoint is that they have not been playing that great leading up to the game. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that the, the Baltimore Ravens waiting for Pittsburgh in week four, maybe they overlook the uh, the Bears, yeah. all this, this, that, and others. They haven't played well this year. The defense has played well. They should kind of be on their high horse level. The offense should be looking at this as an opportunity to make a statement. And that's the attitude they should have. Um, if you thought everyone wants to hold the gold standard of the New England Patriots, and the Patriots are a team that they go into the Soldier Field against this Bears team and they don't even give them a chance to breathe. That's just what good teams do. And so I think if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to hold themselves to that standard, that's kind of the attitude they need to have. I think that the fact that they have not played well, the penalties are still an issue. They have a lot that they can improve on. And I think that bodes well in terms of those Steelers fans that think that this is a trap team waiting to happen. Well, and, and that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think that the fact that they've they've won their first two games, but they, they've maybe, you know, I don't know if you want to use the word sloppy because of the penalties or anything like that. They haven't looked the best. They haven't looked the greatest. They've been, you know, but good enough to win. Do you think because of that, that it's that's how they'll avoid this being a trap game because they haven't played a decent game yet or they've been good enough to win but not good for, like, the standard that the Steelers have? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything that you just mentioned. I, Mike Tomlin is a very good motivator, and people want to – fans always want to pin, you know, bad losses on him, and he'll take his show to blame likely, so, but, but at the same time, he's not throughout, the one out there throwing the football, running the football, or tackling the, the ball carrier. So um, he can only do so much. I guarantee you that um, he's talked about how they have not played a good game yet, that especially offensively they could do better. The goal that the Steelers have offensively every year under Todd Haley has been to average 30 points per game. Uh, they've come close. I want to say they were at 27 in 2015, uh, but they're not close to that right now. You know, so um, they have some work to do. So I think that if they can get be focused on the improvement and you know, use this game, in, in my opinion, if I were coaching, um, I would use this game as like a springboard in the, in the week four when they play Baltimore. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. All right. Well, Jeff, I appreciate your time. I know that you're short on it, so you got to get going. But uh, I appreciate the time and uh, this little condensed interview. I think we did pretty good. So uh, thanks so much uh, for calling on and uh, coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Jeff Hartman from SB Nations, behind the steel curtain for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, they also have a podcast. The Standard is the Standard is the name of the show. And um, that is a, a famous quote that uh, Mike Tomlin made at some point. But that is the name of the show if you want to give that a listen. With, uh, the, you know, hear, the, hear, the, hear it from the Pittsburgh Steelers side uh, on their podcast. And, um, you know, we, we were talking about that. And I really kind of wish we could have gotten into it more, but he had to go. It was about the, the whole trap game thing. Is like it, it didn't really dawn on me until just before I started talking to Jeff that they got the Ravens next week. You know, if the Ravens win, they're going to London this week to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the Jags are playing decent football. I mean, they kind of got housed last week against the Titans, but, you know, they took the Texans to the woodshed week one. And, um, you know, the defense looks good. It's just a matter of the offense uh, matching up. And if, if the Ravens can beat the uh, Jags in, in, uh, in London on Sunday, then there's a potential for a 3-0 versus 3-0 matchup that the Steelers are looking forward to. You know, their, their biggest rival in the division, um, I believe that game is in Baltimore too. So it's, it's on the road, um, I'm pretty sure. It's, uh, but either way, you know, home or away, it is a big matchup for the Steelers. Uh, nonetheless, and the Bears obviously not playing the greatest football in the world. Yeah, it's at Baltimore. It is at Baltimore. Just looked up real quick. Um, you know, it's on the road. It's at Baltimore. It could be undefeated versus undefeated for sole possession of first, you know, out of the gates in, in, the, in the NFC, in AFC North. And, um, you know, obviously the Bears not playing good football right now. Could they be looking past us? And add this little caveat it might not hold a lot of weight with the two teams that are going to take the field on sunday however um just about every time that the bears play the steelers 
it always kind of seems like the Steelers are a mammoth football team and the Bears are really in a position where they don't stand a chance. And, you know, in 2013, the last two times that they this team played, the Bears were 2-0 and coming off two big wins. The Steelers were off to an 0-2 start. I think like they were on to an 0-4 start in 2013. You know, the Bears kind of took it to them there in, in Pittsburgh on Sunday Night Football. Rewind back to 2009, Jay Cutler's first start at home as a Chicago Bear after a disappointing outing on the road at Green Bay week one. Week number two, the Steelers come into town, the defending Super Bowl champions, mind you, and the Bears win the game. A late field goal from Robbie Gold wins the game 17-14. to 14. 2005 in Pittsburgh, that was a Super Bowl year for Pittsburgh. That was a big year for the Bears. Erlacher winning Defensive Player of the Year. Number one defense allowed less than 10 points like eight times that year. Just an ungodly defense we had that season. But uh, the offense was just terrible. <laughs> just terrible. But, um, you know, the Bears were, were a, a Super Bowl contender in 2005 for sure. The Steelers coming out on top there. You know, 2001, the Bears win. Uh, back in, uh, I mean, the other game that I remember fondly is um, one uh, just an abysmal year. 1992, um, the Bears hosting the Steelers. The Steelers were a playoff team in 92. They were on their way to the playoffs. The Bears were like a six or, you know, they were, they ended up being six and 10. It was Dicka's last year in 92. He's getting fired. He's on his way out. It's Samurai's last home game, Samurai Mike Singletary. And they put together the victory and they beat the playoff bound Steelers in Samurai's last home game uh, in a bear uniform. You know, it, it always just seems like the bears are able to put it together no matter what, like they've, you know, there, there's always that thing where it just seems like one team has another team's number and the stat that I found was the Bears lead the all-time series with the Steelers 21-7-1. and That's a big margin. And have won two straight, 2009-2013. And that includes a 12-1 and all-time mark in Chicago. So I don't remember when that one victory was for Pittsburgh. But um, like I said, they don't have much success in Chicago. That kind of makes me a glass half full kind of guy on that one like maybe the return of Marcus Wheaton we got Kyle Long coming back Prince of Mukamura you know these guys are going to be rejuvenated you know they're going to be jacked they're going to be excited to get out there and you know maybe the offensive line plays a little bit tighter now that the now that the stud is back on the offensive line with uh, with Kyle Long and we get Jordan Howard going, that opens up things in the passing game. The next thing you know, we got an offense and the Steelers don't know what the hell happened. Instead of going in 3-0 and against the Ravens, they're going in 2-1 and they're licking their wounds. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? Here's the thing. You know, if the Bears can keep it close and we you didn't hear me and Jeff talk about this, they have to be perfect, you know, because on paper, the Steelers are a much better team. And, um, you know, we saw that if we play good football or perfect football, like there is such a thing, um, we played pretty much a perfect game against Atlanta. We made that one major mistake with Austin Hooper, and that's what ended up costing us the game. We made one major mistake, and the good teams in the Falcons took advantage of it, and that's why they got the win. On the other hand, you know, you heard me talk about it with the Tampa Bay game. Tampa Bay really didn't do much except take advantage of the opportunities that the Bears gave them. Because if you go back and you look at this game, you cut out the turnovers. Like if you were to go back and watch it on film and edit out the turnovers, you show me where Tampa Bay dominated the game. They really didn't. You know, they didn't. I mean, if you go back and you, if you just look at the stats... You know, you heard me out with that argument with with Rendax last week about stats. You can make stats say anything. Well, you know, when I look at the stats, I see an even football game until you get to the bottom where it says turnovers. And there's your ball game right there. Four turnovers to one. That's why the Bears lost. You know, they this, you know, all the credit in the world, to Tampa Bay. They took advantage of the mistakes that were made. And that's what good football teams are supposed to do. Well, the Steelers are a damn good football team. So if we want to be able to hang with them, we need to play a game like we did against Atlanta and not even think about playing one that we did against Tampa Bay. 
when you're not as good as the team that you're standing across from, you have to find a way to be better. And in this case, it means being perfect. So avoiding the turnovers, avoiding the stupid penalties, because that's, that's what extended that first drive for Tampa Bay was a holding call on Danny Trevathan. Instead of sending them three and out on their first drive, they got a 12-play drive that resulted in a field goal. You know, we have to avoid stuff like that because the Steelers and Big Ben, the savvy veteran that he is, they got Le'Veon Bell, Martavius Bryant is off to a good start. They have Antonio Brown. You know, they just seem to always be able to put it together in Pittsburgh. And on paper, they've got a team that's supposed to wipe the floor with us. And so did Atlanta, though. And the way that we handled Atlanta was being smart, being careful, being perfect, whatever you want to call it. You know, no turnovers in that game. We were virtually mistake-free until the Austin Hooper play. So we can't have any Austin Hooper plays against the Steelers. If we do, that's ball game. You know, we can't allow anything like that to happen. So it's a tough order for the Bears to be able to deliver on, but we saw them nearly do it week one against the Falcons, so they, we know they're capable of it. So if we can do that and the Pittsburgh stay sloppy with the penalties and they keep shooting themselves in the foot, they might help us keep ourselves perfect on Sunday. So, you know, it's a lot to ask for, and we're, we're trying to base it more on luck than skill in this one. But when you look at these two teams on paper, you know, like I said, Pittsburgh is supposed to kill us. They're supposed to. Just looking at their roster versus ours and, you know, their health versus ours. And, you know, it's like we didn't have one of the best rosters in football to begin with, but we're short, you know, we're a short man uh, you know, offense with our quote unquote top two receivers. And I say, and I put that in quotes because Kevin White being one of our top two, that means our, our receiving core is in big trouble. But, you know, Cameron Meredith, Kevin White down one game into the season, not even basically. And, you know, Kendall Wright is banged up. Marcus Wheaton <laughs> is breaking fingers in practice. You know, our offensive line keeps dropping like flies and and all the rest of it. So, you know, in order to be able to, to have a chance on Sunday against the Steelers, we're going to have to play like we did against the Falcons, be perfect, avoid the penalties, and take advantage of Pittsburgh's mistakes, whatever they are, whether they're penalties that help us extend drives, you know, or give us plays back and so on and so forth. We got to take advantage of all of that. You know what I'm saying? If the Pittsburghs, if the Pittsburghs make a mistake on Sunday, if they turn the football over, first play, I don't give a damn. Marcus Wheaton's supposed to be the speedy guy. Just crank back Glennon, throw it out of the stadium and see if he can crawl, crawl under it. You know, whatever we got to do to keep the Steelers on their toes one way or the other, that's the way we're going to win this game. You know, because talent to talent, man to man, you know, the Bears don't have it right now. We just don't. So, but it's the NFL. Any given Sunday is always, you know, is the, is the slogan, basically. It can go down any given Sunday. And it can happen on this Sunday. Will it? Yeah. History says it will. All time in Chicago. You know, the Bears are 12-1 and against the Steelers in Chicago. That bodes well for us. So we'll see if, if history is on our side and can make that uh, lucky 13 uh, to 1. Otherwise, we're off to our third straight 0-3 start. And then we got to start asking some tough questions about where this team is heading it and most, or where this team is heading and, more importantly, who's going to be leading it. You know, is John Fox the man if we're 0-3 for the third year in a row? You know, are we giving him the benefit of the doubt because of the injuries? Or we're we just like, dude, you know, you got to win, period. And you're just not. So hit the bricks. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, like I said, in the, in the opening, do the Bears uh, do the Bears have it in them to, to rebound from last week? And uh, what is the aftermath if they don't? That's the real question. If we're 0-3 again, number one, how did we look losing the game? Did we look the same way that we did in Atlanta where it was like, oh, God, so close. What a great game, though. Or are we like, Jesus Christ, we couldn't beat a high school team like, you know, you were thinking after the Tampa Bay game, you know, because I think that will go heavily into what happens on Monday and after um, for the uh, for the team. So final note that I want to share with you guys is. A week from today, on Thursday, the Bears are on Thursday Night Football with the, the Green Bay Packers. And what does that mean for us? Well, that means that we are on a condensed schedule next week. So basically, what you guys are going to get, and I'm sure some of you will enjoy this, depending on how the game turns out, one way or the other, 
we're basically going to have a knee-jerk reaction show recorded on Sunday after the game because I want to get that review episode out as fast as humanly possible. I have already scheduled to talk to Evan Western, our good friend from the Acme Packy Company on SB Nation, to preview the game with me. We're talking on Monday night. Then the show for the preview will be out on Tuesday. So basically those two episodes, the review and the preview, are coming out on right on top of each other. So you guys have plenty to... Uh, Plenty to, to chew on before the Bears and the uh, Packers kick off week four on Thursday night football. Excuse me, a week from today. So a condensed schedule of game or of shows uh, next week. Then we're going to have a nice little break between uh, Green Bay as we get ready for Minnesota on Monday night. And I'm sure our friend uh, Christopher Chris Gates from the uh, Daily Norseman will be joining us to preview that one, I'm sure. So, um, you know, so that's the schedule. So. Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, the review episode for uh, Pittsburgh and Chicago comes out. I talked to Evan on Monday, Tuesday, late Tuesday, early Wednesday at the latest. The uh, week four preview episode will come out and the Bears and the Packers kick it off next Thursday. So just uh, just to make uh, keep your eyes on your on your feeds out there, however you're doing it, whether it's iTunes, Google Play or uh, just getting it off of the website on uh on uh, Podbean, or if uh, some of you, um, Podbean had a, has a new thing where they can turn the show into a video on Facebook now. So that's, you know, I wonder how many of you have been listening to the show on Facebook. So, you know, I mean, it's still coming from Podbean, but it's streaming on Facebook from the uh, from the site. It's basically like a video, and it's just it shows the the show thumbnail, the cover, if you will, and uh, you know, and so on. So. That's also another option for you as well. Um, one other thing that I'm thinking about doing, and maybe you guys can help me out with this, is I've been looking into some, uh, trying to get some what they call royalty-free music because I, I, I need a new intro song because I want to put the show on YouTube. You know, I want to post the show uh, on YouTube and um, that's also something that Podbean will do for me. It will post the show on YouTube. Well, the actually believe it or not the first two shows of the season the week one preview the week one review went up on on youtube but both were were flagged because my intro song the ozzy osbourne song is a copyrighted song and you know it got flagged so i had to take the videos down so what i'm looking into is like maybe you guys can help me out with some research and look into royalty free music which basically would be music that i can use and wouldn't have to pay for or it's not copyrighted or protected so i can use that you know a decent intro song and maybe an outro as well um actually i think i have permission from the 35 black band to use their outro song since they sent it to me directly so i don't think i have to change my outro but at least my my intro um song to uh be able to put the show up on youtube so you guys got some spare time go ahead and give that a look and uh, any decent like you know hard rock song sounding like the, the you know something that kind of sounds like the ozzy osbourne thing if you guys can find that out there uh let me know and uh we'll see about getting that done so that i can uh post a show on youtube because i think it'd be cool to do that so anyway that is going to do it we'll be back on sunday after the game you know, I'll see, uh, depending on how it is, will I be, uh, will I need to take some time to, to vomit this game away, or will I just jump right into the mic and start recording the show? Um, you know, we'll be back on Sunday with the week three review of the game between the Steelers and the Bears as we gear up for week four in our first game against the Packers in 2017. So we got a lot going on in the next five days or so, so it's going to be a good time. So we'll see you on Sunday. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears with you.